Hello, Revolution. Welcome. My name is Kelly. I do the announcements here. Um, if you weren't aware of that before, now you are. My goal up here is just to inform you guys of you know what we're about and what we're doing around in the community and hopefully get you guys more involved and active within the church. So a few things that we do. Autumn right here while she's up in the front. She is um, leading up the nursery, our nursery team. And lately we've been getting more and more kids, younger and a little bit older kids. So if you guys could, we'd love you to volunteer your time. And sorry to embarrass you, Autumn. Um, we'd love for you to just take some of your time while you're here to be back in the nursery with some of the kids. So, because we're a little bit short-staffed back there. So if you guys could volunteer, come talk to Autumn, and she'll let you know where she can fit you in the schedule. As we get more kids there, we're going to need more people to help out with that. Also, we have um, East End Ministry stuff. Tuesday nights around 6 p.m., we do the trash pickup, which is, you know, we just go around in the community and pick up the trash. But the goal there is to get involved with the people that living around in the East End um, with the, the two houses that we have in the East End. Um, and hopefully you guys can come out and be a part of that. And hopefully we can make relationships with the people in the East End and get to talk to them and show them who Christ is. And Friday nights we also do East End cookouts. We do the same same place. We meet at 706 Campbell um, at 6 p.m. And also you guys can come out if you're available and just volunteer your time. And hopefully by providing food for the community and um, going door to door and sharing people the gospel that we can you know, shed the light of Christ in that way. Um, if you college students, you guys looking to maybe have a Bible study or something to get involved in, David is walking uh, through us with Galatians. And so every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in Massey Hall at Shawnee College, um, we're going through the book of Galatians. So if you guys need more questions on that or want to um, get involved that way, come talk to me, Dowdy, or um, pretty much anyone else. And there's also on Monday nights, there's an understanding addiction group. If you guys want to know more about that, there's some flyers on the back table back there. What it basically is, is, you know, if you or a family member, um, you know someone that has some kind of addiction, you can go and to this meeting and you can learn more about that. Hopefully understand what they're going through. So you're able to be some support to that person. And um, free market is coming up. It is the 15th of November, I believe. Um, and what that is is basically this, you know, it's free market, this this open thing where people can bring in clothes, you know, furniture, toys. Um, but it's mostly not necessarily new, but gently worn because um, we want to give good gifts to these people. Um, anybody in the community that needs some things and they don't have a way to get them, they can come to this event and uh, we're able to give these things, you know, for no charge. That's why it's called free market. And uh, I think that's pretty much all of the announcements. So my job's almost done. If you guys want to get up and greet each other, it's almost Halloween season. So maybe talk about your favorite um, costume as a kid or maybe even your favorite candy because candy is always a good thing. So greet each other, guys. What's up, Revolution? Let's do that again. That was awful. What's up, Revolution? Yeah, that was good. Sometimes whenever they don't play the music, for whatever reason, I like to just sit on that chair and watch you guys because I'm a creep. And uh, anyone else got people watching at Walmart? No one? You, you don't even need a dime. For the record, if any of you guys are single, 
Take a woman out, people watching the Walmart. It'd be an unforgettable date. She'll fall in love. So I'm telling you. I didn't do that to Autumn or anything. I wasn't willing to take that kind of dice. But a roll of the dice. But if you don't care, go for it. Um, <laughs> but tonight we are, tonight we're starting a new sermon series. Um, and it's in the book of Luke. And it's called, Did Jesus Really Say That? So what we're going to be doing starting tonight, we're in the first chapter of Luke. If you guys want to turn there in your Bibles, you can. It's going to be a minute before we get there. Um, There are blue Bibles out there for you guys. If you don't have a Bible or the Bible you have is super hard for you to understand, take that blue Bible that is our gift to you. We're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 1. It's the third book of the New Testament. Um, But what our idea was for this sermon series that we're starting this evening was we are going to take a look at Jesus' teachings. Um, all of Scripture is important, but we're kind of going to glide over the things Jesus did, except for, except for his birth and his death and his resurrection. But we're really going to focus in on what did Jesus teach? Because I've noticed often, Christians, we quote a lot of people, but we don't quote Jesus nearly as much as we should. Um, and we really need to get back to what did our Lord and Savior, what did our King Jesus say? And I think that you guys are going to find out through the next while that we're in Luke, Jesus probably is not who you thought he was. Um, Like, he wasn't some, like, pansy that just wanted to give everyone a hug, right? I mean, he's a loving king and everything, but he was super radical. He taught things that people did not like at all. He ticked off a lot of people. Um, He demands change, and he demands obedience. So that's what we're going to be looking at in this series is, did Jesus really say that kind of stuff? Maybe Jesus isn't who we thought he was. Um, But before we get into Luke, there's something that you all should know, and that is I was a complete punk when I was growing up. Amen, Mom? She won't say it. She says, man, I was a complete idiot growing up, right? Like, and when I say punk, I mean, like, I was, like, super attracted to metal music, which is still awesome, but I was, like, the whole, like, fight the power, man. I'm, like, in junior high. I have no idea. Like, <laughs> like don't tell me what to do. Parents suck. And, like, school sucks. Principal, everything sucks. And, like, fight the man, which is hilarious. Like, and God bless my mom for, like, sparing my life through junior high because, like, I was just miserable. And, like, come to find out, like, God is a comedian. If you don't think I'm... It, think about God as the funniest being in all of creation. Because I went from, like, fight the man to, like, I am essentially the man now. I am a pastor. <laughs> right? Like, don't tell me what to do. And I stand up here every week and tell you, like, what Jesus tells us all to do. So, like, <laughs> don't submit to authority. And I'm like, submit to the authority of Jesus. So, like, God is quite possibly the funniest being ever. Um, which makes sense because he created comedy. Uh, but, thank God, I have matured since then. <laughs> my mom, my mother just amen me, for those of you who can hear. I have matured since then. Um, I don't, but I still don't listen to just anybody. Um, if I am going to take what anyone has to say seriously, you have to have credentials. There has to be a reason that I listen to you, um, whether that's scriptural backing for what you have to say, um, a degree in a certain field, life experience. You have to have some kind of credentials if you want me to take you seriously. Um, like I said, whether it's theology or science or history or whatever, I must have a reason for listening to you, or I'm probably going to ignore a, a majority of what you have to say to me. Point in case, I want to share this with you guys. This is too awesome to not tell you guys. Uh, I work in Minford, um, which means no one can read. And whenever I was there, <laughs> I was at work, and this, this redneck dude, and I love rednecks because I am part one. Half my family is from South Shore. The other part of my family is from Sayota County. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm a redneck. It's, it's, it's coming out the older I get. Um, I look like someone from Duck Dynasty. But anyway, uh, this dude comes into the store, redneck guy, and he's like, I want a tea. And I was like, rung him up. I was like, it's 203, man. And he was like, that's $1.89. I 
And I was like, yeah, and the state of Ohio says, like, you have to pay 7.25% on each dollar worth of sales tax. So it's 203, and he goes, but the Boston Tea Party, man, we don't got to pay taxes on tea no more. <laughs> and like, I just had to eat it and just hold it in. Just like, I'm sorry, sir, you, that is incorrect. Right? Like, <laughs> if, if someone doesn't have any kind of credentials, you know, like, we have to have reasons for listening to what people have to say, or we could get taught a lot of incorrect things. Right? We, we have, people have to have some kind of backing, uh, or have some kind of, we have to have some kind of reason for listening to people. So the question that I'm posing to you guys this evening is why should I listen to a word that Jesus has to say? Why? I think that that's a super important question for all of us to ask ourselves. You know, why? What is so special about Jesus? Why do his words matter above everyone else's words? You know, preachers say it. Um, some of you may have heard it growing up that Jesus is super important, but why? I don't know if you guys know this or not. Jesus was from a town called Nazareth, which is a lot like Minford. It's in the middle of nowhere. All right, so if, I'm not saying that this is true, but if Jesus is just some redneck from Nazareth, why should I listen to a word Jesus has to say? It's a fair question to ask. And if we're going to be spending a fair amount of time in Luke, this is a question that needs answering because our answer to this question will determine how seriously we take what Jesus had to say. All right, so before we can hop into Luke, um, we got to talk about some Old Testament stuff. I'm a history nerd. Anyone else like history? Yeah, the rest of you are going to, going to suffer then. All right, this is, <laughs> this is, uh, we're going to hop into the Old Testament for a minute, and I'm just going to give you guys a, a general overview of a couple of things. Uh, there's these things in the Old Testament and the New Testament called covenants. All right, and covenants are promises. They're like legally binding contracts that you can make with one another, like the covenant of marriage, or um, what we're talking about is a covenant that God makes to somebody that I'm going to do this. Um, and God doesn't lie, right? He's a being of supreme benevolence. That just means he's all good. So he's not going to lie because lying is immoral. It's against his nature. So he's bound to his word because he is good. So covenants. God makes two that you guys got to know or you're not going to understand anything that I'm going to talk about in this first chapter of Luke. God makes two covenants. One is to a, a dude named Abram that we find out is Abraham later. It's in Genesis chapter 12. God rolls up to Abraham and says, hey, I want you to leave uh, your land. I want you to leave your family and I want you to move to a place that I'm going to tell you where you're going to go. And I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars and I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And then I'm going to bless all people through your offspring. I'm going to bless all nations, all peoples, people from every tongue, tribe, nation, whatever, are going to be blessed through your offspring somehow. So God makes that promise to Abraham. All right, and then we see the nation of Israel springs up before Jesus is born in Luke. So God's kept good on the first bit of his promise, right? All, all Jewish people can trace their lineage back to Abraham and Abraham's sons. Right, so Jesus, or God kept true on that. And then God actually made a second covenant with uh, a king named David, who has the coolest name in the Bible aside from Jesus. In uh, 2 Samuel 7, uh, God makes this covenant with David. And David is a descendant of Abraham. He is the king of Israel. And he says to God, I want to build you a house. I want to build you a temple. And God is super good at playing on words because he made them. And he says, uh, I'm going to make you a house which means that I'm going to set up a dynasty from your line. I'm going to set up a king from your line. God said, I'm going to build you a house. So he promises David that there's going to be a king come in your bloodline 
and he is going to rule forever. His reign will never end ever. He said, God said that uh, to this king, I will be father and he will be son. Sound familiar? Right? Yeah. So God makes a couple of uh, covenants. He makes a covenant to Abraham and David, and then there's a prophecy. Uh, or there's more than one prophet in the, in the Old Testament. But there's this dude named Isaiah. Right? And Isaiah says that this anointed one, Right, this Messiah, this Christ, this King from David's line is. There's a few things. He's going to be born of a virgin, right? He's going to be born poor. He's going to be lowly. He's going to associate with the lowest of the low. He's going to be a suffering servant, right? So Isaiah says that this King that's going to come from David's line is going to rule forever, but he's going to be unlike any other king that you've ever seen before. What kind of king is this? He's going to serve his subjects. He's going to serve people. He's going to be born low, but make no mistake, this king is going to rule for eternity. Right, so I wanted you guys to have that background. And go with this. This king's resume is banging, right? Like, this like going to be a son to God. His reign is going to be eternal. He's going to be born of a virgin. Like, anyone who gets, who's born of a virgin, like, I'm going with that guy for, like, that dude's, that, that's the guy that we're looking for, right? Um, this dude, he's getting a job anywhere he wants. Like, hi, I'm the Messiah. Um, McDonald's, would you like to hire me? Right. No? Bombing jokes today. Not going well. It's okay. It's okay. You can't all be zingers. All right, but this king, everything that this king has to say is going to be important. We, were, we are going to want to play, pay close attention to this king and whatever he says and whatever he does, whoever he may be. And I hope you guys probably have. If you've been to church two or three times, you have an idea of who this king is going to be. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 35. This is the first of two bits of Luke 1 that we're going to look at. And I thought really hard about making you guys uh, like sit through me, through me reading all 80 verses of Luke chapter 1. And my sister told me not to because she thought that would be a bad idea. So you can thank her later. Um, but Luke 1, 26 through 35. Luke writes, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. So now do you guys, are you starting to see why you had to know the Old Testament stuff to get into this? This angel says, this king, this, this baby is going to be a descendant of King David. Now some of you guys right off the rip, i got to explain something, might say, well how? How is he going to be a descendant of King David if Joseph, Jesus' stepdad in effect, is going to be the one through who David's lineage comes from? Well you need to know about this. This is super cool and this shows you how much providence God has in every single like little detail of everything. There's this Jew, like in Jewish law, if you have a, a child, like if, if, um, if me and Autumn, we aren't married yet, but she has a kid and then we get married and it's not my kid, but I assume all care for this child and I adopt it, that child in Jewish law would inherit my bloodline. 
So if I am a descendant of King David, that child, even though it's not blood to me, becomes a descendant of King David. So Jesus is going to come from David's line. The name Jesus actually means God saves. So Jesus is going to redeem somehow. All right, he says that you're going to be like Mary's a virgin. The angel says you're going to have the king. So that, that takes care of Isaiah. Right, that he's going to be the son of God. He's going to be called the son of God. He's going to be a son of the most high. That he's going to rule forever on his ancestor David's throne for eternity. So this guy sounds like, this Jesus sounds like the dude that we have been waiting for, that we should pay very close attention to his whole life and everything that he says. All right, and then we're going to go to Luke 1, 68 through 75, and we're going to check out um, Zechariah's prophecy. Um, it's called the Benedictus. It's kind of a cool thing. I'm a nerd. I think Latin's kind of cool, though I'm not Roman Catholic. Um, but Zechariah, if you guys don't know who that is, that's John the Baptist's dad. Right? He's a lover of God. He's a priest in the temple. Solid dude. So he knows about Jesus. He, know that Mary, he knows that Mary is pregnant with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and he begins to prophesy. He begins to link things up in his mind under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And he says, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. And we have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. So Zechariah understands. He begins to see who Jesus is and what God is doing. He pieces it together. He says, the Savior has come. Jesus is going to be the one to redeem God's people. That God is going to bless all nations through Jesus because he says God remembered his covenant to Abraham, the oath that he swore to Abraham. Jesus is going to bless all nations somehow. So Zechariah pieces it all together. that This king from the line of David is going to bless everyone. That Jesus is the promised king and the promised offspring of both covenants. He is the guy that we've been waiting for for hundreds of years to redeem God's people. So what? I spent a lot of time explaining a lot of things, looking at a couple of passages of scripture. What's the big, what, why does this matter for any of you guys? What does it matter that Jesus is this prophesied king, this prophesied offspring of Abraham that's going to bless all nations? Well, there's a couple of things that I want you guys to consider. The first one, and I, I hope that you guys really will think about this. The first one, because he is the promised offspring of Abraham that's going to bless all people, that means that this king's kingdom is inclusive. All peoples, all tribes. Jesus does not care about your background. He does not care about your race. He does not care about how much money you have. He doesn't care about your culture. He doesn't care if you were raised in church. He doesn't care if you've never set foot through the doors. He doesn't care if you're an addict, a recovering addict, if you've never touched drugs in your whole life, whatever. He wants people from every background. All people. That's who Jesus has come for. Whoever will believe. He's opened this up to anyone. So I think what that means for us, just something that you guys can take and apply this in your life. This is something that I have to reiterate to myself all the time, especially living in the East End. If Jesus' kingdom is all-inclusive because he is the offspring of Abraham, then we must be all-inclusive in everything that we do. We do not get to pick and choose who we love. We do not get to pick and choose who we serve. 
We don't get to say, I want to help this person, but not this person because they're not like me or I feel like this person has done something unforgivable or whatever it is. If Christ is all-inclusive to anyone who will believe, we must be all-inclusive of anyone who seeks out our help. We must be willing to tell anyone, I want to be your friend because I did not deserve this king to want me in his kingdom, but he brought me in anyway. So we cannot be... There's no room for discrimination in this kingdom because Jesus did not discriminate. This is for everyone. So that's something that we need to take to heart. And the second thing that matters, and this is one that I, I, want, to, I want to hammer in on. And because Jesus is this promised king, then there are none like him. Ever. There never will be and there never has been. He is the only true king. He is God himself. And if that is true then we, Christians, those of us who trust Jesus, are his subjects. If he is the king, we belong to the king. We are citizens of his kingdom. So our allegiance to him trumps everything. All of our desires, Jesus is king over all of them. Everything that we want to do, everything, every plan that we've ever made, every, every, every everything about us, I don't know how else to say it, gets trumped by the fact that Jesus' word is law now because he is king. Whatever he says, even if I don't understand it immediately, his word is law, he is king. I do as he says. What he says matters and is going to hang all important in my life. You know, he deserves our respect. He deserves all glory. He deserves reverence. He deserves everything that we have, He, including our obedience to the words that he says. This is why I pose the question, why does it matter what Jesus said? Because he's king. He deserves our obedience. He demands our obedience, especially if we are members of his kingdom. But I want you guys to know this. Jesus does not just some iron-fisted dictator like Fidel Castro or like Saddam Hussein. I'm not lumping Jesus in with those dudes. Right? He doesn't just rule with, with power, but he rules in power and love. Don't forget, we talked about Isaiah said that he is going to be a suffering servant, and we're going to see that. So this king, his whole earthly life is poverty. His whole earthly life is being low. His whole ministry is identifying with the lowest of the low, the least of these in society. He identifies himself with the weak the poor, the oppressed, the outcast, the people that no one else wants to be around. He has come to serve. The king has come to serve his subjects. And ultimately, what this means is that our king left all of his glory and power in heaven and came and limited himself on earth to a human body so that he could be like us so that he could be among the lowest of the low, the rebels, the ones who have hated God from birth and have wanted nothing to do with God. I'm talking about us. I'm talking about anyone who has ever sinned. Jesus, the king, left to come and serve the people who hated and rebelled against him. Isaiah says that Jesus was to be numbered among the transgressors, that he was going to become sin for us and then suffer the punishment that we deserve from God so that we could be made citizens of his kingdom. 
Because we've all sinned. We've all rebelled against God. Every single person in this room, myself included, we are all deserving of hell. Justice demands it. God is good. He must punish sin. And every single one of us has given God the finger and said, I'm going to do what I want to do. You can't tell me what to do. I'm going to do my own thing. And we all deserve eternal damnation for that. But in love, because God does not just rule in power, in love, God sent Jesus to come and live a sinless life, never rebelling, always being obedient to God. And then after a sinless life, this suffering servant is going to take our sin on himself and go to the cross and suffer the wrath of God, suffer hell on the cross as a substitute in our place so that we could be united with Jesus, so that we could be reconciled with God, that the, the debt we owed God for our sin would be paid by this servant, Jesus, this servant king, Jesus. And then God raised Jesus from the dead three days later to prove that, that he accepts Jesus' sacrifice in our place so that if we trust Jesus, everything has been paid for. So I know some of you guys in here, you're not a member of this kingdom. You don't really probably much care. Maybe you've been coming to church for a while and it hasn't just really clicked with you yet. Um, I want to invite you all, anyone in here who does not trust Jesus, who does not follow Jesus, I want to invite you, become part of this kingdom with us. Serve this king with us because he loves you immensely. But know this, his wrath will not be spared like whenever you die. If you've not had faith in Jesus, justice must be served. He came and served you. Take advantage, man. Like, because either you're going to pay for what you did or Jesus did on the cross. So if you guys want this explained to you more, come see me after the service. I'll be up here on stage. Or if you guys want to pray with someone or you guys want to just know more about what it means that Jesus died in your place and what it means to be a member of this kingdom and, and serve Jesus out of love. And there'll be a couple of people over here too uh, during worship by the couches that will talk to you too. We, we love you guys. We want you guys to be a part of this family. Um, but know this, either you're going to pay for what you've done or Jesus did. That's, there's no third ground. Like, that's, that's it. Those are your options. But for Christians, right, for those of us who have placed our faith, our faith in Jesus, that are citizens of this kingdom, go with me here. Zechariah said this. He says that we have been saved so that we can serve God in holy, without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. God saved us so that we could serve him. Just like I talked about last week with serve, I know it sounds like I'm like repeating myself, but I just let you guys in on a little secret. The Bible repeats itself like a million times. So I'm going to sound like a broken record by the end of the year for you guys. So that's cool with me though, because we're stupid and we don't get it the first time because we're a bunch of idiots. Uh, That's why God has to repeat himself all over the place. But Zechariah, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, says we have been saved to serve God. So Jesus has rescued those of us who place our trust in him. But how will we know how to serve Jesus if we do not pay attention to what he taught? Remember, this all goes back to why should I listen to what Jesus has to say? Why is this sermon series going to be important for us? Why should I care at all? Because if you have faith in Jesus and you've been saved to serve your king, everything he says matters. If you don't know what he commanded, you can't know how to serve him. If you don't don't know how he says to love other people, then you can't love him because loving God automatically means that you love other people. That's why I want us all, myself included, I want us all to be in Scripture more. 
Read the book of Luke. You can read it once a week if you want to. Like, I know some churches that have done that, like, read it once a week for, like, two years while they were in, like, the sermon series Luke. I challenge you guys, begin to read Luke, begin to read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Start reading your Bible, get in there, see what your king commands, see what your king is like, see what your king has to say about how we live our lives and the things that we do, because this is the only way that we're going to know what pleases him, and we've been saved to please the king. It was because of his pleasure and his will that he decided to choose each and every one of us to save us. And it was so that we could bring him more pleasure by serving him because everything goes back to God's glory. Every single act in history, every single thing that we do must bring God glory because he is the only thing that's deserving of it. And how are you going to bring him glory if you don't know what glorifies him? So Jesus is our king. His word is law. So we must let the words that he spoke and the things that he taught penetrate us to our core so that we can be shaped and molded to be more like our king. No matter how hard it is, no matter what it costs, no matter what it means must change in our lives, we must allow the good news of Jesus and his teachings to penetrate us in every single way. I'll pose this question to you guys, you know, who would we be in our daily lives, in our relationships, if we truly began to understand that we've been saved so that we could serve God and serve other people because the two commandments Jesus gives are, are love God and love your neighbor. What would our lives look like? I'm not saying everything would be perfect, you know, because we're still in a sinful world and we're still sinners, but how much different would our lives look? It'd be a radical change because Jesus was a radical teacher. It'd be a radical love that would begin to show other people. You know, how much more would those around us and in Scioto County and at, at Shawnee State University, how much more would people begin to understand the love of God because we have taken the time to show it to them because we understand that we have been saved to serve our king and to serve people because our king demands it. It's like earth shattering the things that would happen in our lives when we begin to take Jesus seriously. So I'll leave you guys with this. Let's, let's leave here, you know, determined to listen to the king that we love. To take his commands seriously. No matter how hard they are. Even if he ends up not being the Jesus that you grew up with. Even if he ends up not being the Jesus that you're comfortable with. Let's let his teachings shape us. And serve him because of what he's done for us and love him because of what he's done for us. Because everything, and I'll say this every week, comes from gratitude. If we're members of this kingdom because we believe that Jesus died in our place for our sin, we should have gratitude to listen to everything he says because he loved us. Serve him because we loved him because he loved us first. I challenge you guys, go out and get in scripture and let Jesus change you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a king. <laughs> thank you for a king, God. We do not deserve to be served by anything, but you sent your son to serve us and die in our place for our sin as a substitute, and I thank you for that. Thank you for making us all citizens of your kingdom. 
God, I pray that, that this challenge that, that the Bible gives us to be obedient and to serve in holiness and righteousness just penetrates us so that we want to know, that we have a thirst to know what Jesus said, what he taught, how he felt, his stances on everything. God, let us take those things that the Bible teaches us and let them mold us and morph us into better citizens of the kingdom of God because everything is about bringing you glory. Father, I pray that we take what we learn and we begin to serve other people and show everyone love indiscriminately because your kingdom is all-inclusive. And help us to just reestablish you every single day as king over every aspect of our lives. But above everything, thank you again, Father, for sending the king to hang on a cross for us in our place. We did not deserve it, but you did it anyway. And you're the only one true king, always. In Jesus' name, amen.